Welcome to The Unconventional Path, Entrepreneurship and Innovation Stories and Ideas. Hi, I'm Bela Musitz, coming to you from upstate New York. I'm a former three-time entrepreneur, venture capitalist, and business school professor. And coming to you from Münster, Germany, I'm Mike Wasserman, professor of international management at the Münster University of Applied Sciences. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. We are both... Uh, uh, Thanks for joining us today. When Bela and I were teaching together at Clarkson University, we would have lots of interesting conversations about how the world is changing and specifically about how innovation and entrepreneurship are changing. We'd do this over a cup of coffee or lunch as time allowed. And almost two years ago, I picked up and moved to Germany. Uh, and a little thereafter, Bela retired. Uh, and Bela kind of had this wacky idea to continue these conversations in the form of a podcast and invite others to actually listen in. I really honestly thought this was a horrible idea at first. I don't consider myself a podcast guy, but Bela was right on the mark as usual, and we've had a great time so far, almost a year into it, of talking about topics that are interesting to us and uh, and and keeping our relationship going through this podcast. Yeah, so uh, I hope you join us uh, each week as we talk with interesting people we've met to share their stories, ideas, and insights into innovation, entrepreneurship, and the people that take unconventional paths to find happiness in work and in life. Bela, tell us about what we've got lined up for this week's episode. Thanks, Mike. Uh, so this week's guest is Catherine Hover. Uh, so she's a really interesting uh, person that I met. Uh, I actually met her at one of these uh, once-a-month luncheon uh, things that I do in Schenectady uh, between Clarkson and uh, New York Biz Lab and uh, met her there. And uh, she started something called uh, Paint and Sip, which is this notion of uh, you come and uh, you drink wine and you paint. And uh, so it's much uh, as a social thing as it is uh, anything else. And it's not really painting lessons. Uh, and then she uh, started one of those, actually had a couple of them. And uh, she recently started something called Palette, uh, which we talk about in detail in during the interview. But it's sort of a, a co-working uh, space uh, that has sort of an interesting twist and focus to it. Uh, so I'd really had uh, fun doing this interview, and we actually did it uh, at Pallet. And interestingly enough, we did it inside the phone booth uh, room that they have there. Uh, so, it, yep, actually they have one of the old-fashioned pay phones that I haven't seen in a long time uh, in a tiny little room. Uh, and it works, it's functional, and you can go in there and make a phone call. Uh, so we actually did the interview in there. So that was kind of a, a neat thing. And um, it actually was the quietest spot we could find for the interview, <laughs> but it worked out quite well. Which is cool. Yeah, it was a little bit noisy, but I loved it. Uh, before we begin, though, and get right to the interview, let me take a second to remind our listeners that our podcast today is brought to you in part by the law firm of Phillips Lytle LLP. And this is a sponsorship that makes a lot of sense to us. Bela, you know this firm well, don't you? I sure do. I've worked with the uh, key uh, entrepreneurship practice partners at Phillips Lytle for over 20 years. Uh, these guys are nationally recognized attorneys uh, who take an entrepreneurial approach to legal matters, and they have a long history of success with startup businesses. Uh, the attorneys at Phillips Lytle are my go-to team for guiding startup businesses down the path to success. So I really mean this when we say we are excited to have Phillips Lytle as our show sponsor. We both know that they think like entrepreneurs, taking a pragmatic approach to getting things done and spotting issues before they come, become problems. 
So if you need good, solid advice starting, funding, or selling a business, whether you're a single-person startup or working on a nine-figure exit, Bela and I can confidently recommend the attorneys at Philip Lytle. Bela, what's the best way for listeners to get in touch with them? Yeah, so for more information, contact Rich Honan, who is a Phillips Lytle partner in the Albany, New York office. Uh, if you're old-school phone person like Mike and I, then you can give Rich a call at 518-618-1225. Or if you're of the generation that prefers online communication, you can reach Rich at his firm's website at phillipslytle.com. Let me spell that for you. P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S-L-Y-T-L-E.com. And it'll be great for, you, for us if you let Rich know that you heard about Philip Slidell from listening to the Unconventional Path podcast. Okay, that said, let's jump right into today's interview with Catherine. Hello, listeners. Uh, today I'm here with Catherine Hover. Uh, she is the CEO and founder of Pallet, uh, which is a really interesting business located here in downtown Schenectady. Uh, Schenectady, oh my gosh downtown Saratoga, New York. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, Catherine. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Or thanks for being here yeah, sure. for your podcast. I was in Schenectady just before this meeting, so I still have that on the brain. I apologize for that. So uh, Catherine, uh, if you're at a social event and uh, you know you shake hands with somebody, they say, nice, someone says, nice to meet you, Catherine, what do you do? How do you, how do you answer that question? I say, hi, I'm Catherine Hover, and I am the purveyor of fun at Palette and Paint and Sip. Okay, so what does uh, Palette do? So Palette is a cafe, female-focused cafe, co-working, and community. Um, we, at the face value, are a coffee shop, and we also have booze, too. So we, do, we, we provide services from the coffee to the cocktails and wine. Um, and that's phase one. And then phase two will be opening in November is the co-working space. But more importantly, and the bigger um, picture here is the community that we're creating um, amongst our members that, will, that are committed to supporting each other in career and in life. So if I'm a, if I'm a customer of yours, mm -hmm. um, what might I typically do when I come here? Besides have a cup of coffee or a glass of wine. Um, you would be con you're connecting with other other people. I mean, so the the whole business kind of stemmed from um, the experience that you have at Paint and Sip when you come there. It's very therapeutic in nature and it's fun. Um, and but there are so many people that we were kind of missing out on that were missing out on the experience also because they were intimidated by the painting aspect of it. Um, so I just started to kind of take from my experience of having to meet people out in the world and um, not finding the physical space and the real community that that I was looking for myself and I just I felt like I couldn't be the only person who felt this way um so I just started to kind of build on the on the the why I started paint and sip and built on that um so most of the people who come in every day I mean some are just getting coffee right but you know when you step foot into the space you can really tell that there's something else there's a bigger picture here there's an energy that's that's here that is just super positive and we we are determined to turn around your day if you're having a bad day um, and and figuring out what it is we can do to support you and help you okay so before we talk about paint and sip which was a an, an existing but a previous endeavor of yours. Yes. 
Um, so it sounds like to me with Palette, what you're doing is it works fine for the person who wants to come in, order a cup of coffee and walk out, but you're also making it more of a destination type uh, place where I can come meet with friends, hang out and sort of spend part of my day there. Right. So, so there are, there are folks who come in and they're, you know, they're getting a cup of coffee. And we, when we set out to do this, we said, you know, if people are just coming to get coffee, the coffee has got to be good. Right. So we have to find experts in our, in our area and to really execute the coffee to the best standards. So we partnered with Crew Coffee, their local roasters, um, and they came in, they trained us, they helped us open up the whole cafe piece of it. So we wanted that to be, you know, high standard, good quality, good product, right? And then aside from that, um, it's a it's a leveled up meeting space with the coffee shop feel and ambiance. So if you're having a really important meeting, you know, you're not, you, you feel, you just feel leveled up and more confident when you're having that meeting because you have all these other amenities at arm's reach. Yes, yes. So let's take a step back. Let's talk about paint and sip. Okay. Uh, so uh, how how did that start? Tell me about the inspiration for that. Uh, okay, so I am not originally from here. I'm from New Orleans. We moved up here for my then fiance's job. Um, he is a surveyor for a dredging company, and they his his employer put him on a project in this area. So the deal was we were getting married that fall. Let's move up to Saratoga Springs, live there for five years, save up money, move back home. Um, when I got here, I was just overcome with. I guess just opportunity. I mean, I just saw so much opportunity in Saratoga where it's like this quaint, sweet, Norman Rockwell kind of downtown Main Street USA feel. Um, and I felt like there were, there, but there were things missing, like experiences, like paint and sip. Like I, that's one of the things that I used to do with my mom all the time. And it's a great, again, therapeutic and fun. There's wine, there's painting. It's, um, and there wasn't one yet. So I thought... I'll just do that. Why not start one? <laughs> so for, uh, not everyone, not all of our listeners may know what paint and sip is. So could you describe that a little bit? Right. So it's a bar where we have an artist on site that teaches you how to paint in one setting. So you sign up, you go to our website, you find the painting, the date that works for you. You show up. We have an artist that walks you through the painting step by step. Um, and at the end of the night, you leave with your own rendition of the featured painting, all while drinking and having sips of wine and dancing and it's just so much fun but what happens in the space um is so much more than that i mean it's like and like 20 minutes in you've had in a little bit of wine you're relaxed your shoulders are loose and you're just like going with the flow and you leave two hours later not having thought about the bills you had to pay or the kids stress at home or anything like that life throws at you and it's and it's incredibly relaxing Thera and therapeutic and therapeutic in nature for sure i mean art is i mean it's huge yeah so if i know nothing about painting i'm a complete the neophyte, perf- other the than perfect. you know paint by numbers that's about we would prefer you to not know what you're doing right okay. <laughs> because you could get up there and teach the class so we have some of those it's more like a um i guess the 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 culture of it and the ambiance is more of like a comedy show. Like you're going to this event and it's not a class. You're not being judged. There's no grade at the end of it. Um, and it's a party like atmosphere. You show up, you're dancing and you know, we're not teaching you technique. We're not, we're not, you're not going to go on to be some 
I mean, maybe you'll be an incredible artist one day, or you already are. Um, but it's it's not about that. It's it's about the experience. It's about the experience. It's like Disneyland. It, oh, it's like Disney. I love Disney. I'm a Disney fanatic. So mm -hmm. <laughs> you struck a chord. Disneyland for adults. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, you know, when you forget, you forget like how fun it is just to create. Um, you, you grow up and you work in the nine to five or doing whatever it is you're set up to do in life and you forget how to play and you forget how to create and how, how important that is to remember. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I have, I know you have young children. I have two granddaughters, age five and three. And to see this sort of adventure and excitement in their eyes and everything they do yeah. is remarkable. Yeah. And then I think about how did I lose that? Because all kids have it. It's like every kid that I've ever seen has that. And somehow by the time we get to be 20, it's been beat out of us. <laughs> yes, yes. So, right? so how do we get it back? Yeah, well, you go to paint and sip or you mm -hmm. come to palette. <laughs> um, and you just remember like what we're all here for, right? We're just living. We're just living life. And life is hard. I mean, so any any possible way to infiltrate fun and joy and excitement and positivity into whatever you're doing is going to benefit you um and that's that's what we that's what i like that's what gets me up every yeah. morning so there were paint and sips down in new orleans so it was a, it was a trend that started after katrina you okay. know after hurricane katrina everyone's like deep and dark and depressed and it's rough you know and so these it the there's a franchise that really the one that speaks to me the from the beginning, right? It's a franchise that I actually met with them when I thought I was going to open one up here um, called Painting with a Twist. And it and there's two women who started it and it was just like drinking and painting. Like, let's just have fun, you know? And it just kind of grew and grew from there. Um, and they have them, I mean, predominantly the Southeast of America, like, what do you call that? In the Southeast. Southeast, yeah. Yes. Um, tons of them. And they were running as like a BYOB. So that's just the culture down there. You, yeah. you stop at the gas station, you get a case of beer or wine, a box of wine, you show up and you, you have a party. Um, and I just didn't think that that would translate so well in Saratoga. Um, we have this incredible nightlife here. And I had always just the way I envisioned it was, was a one-stop shop. All you had to do was show up. And we have all the things you need. So we are a full on bar there. So you show up, you you can buy beer and wine when you get there, and then it, you know that's it's all it's all there for you. There's no yeah. thought really behind. Well, I gotta stop. No prep. It. No prep. Just right. show up. You just gotta show up, right? Yeah. And I always say like, if you can't have fun painting and drinking, there's no helping you, or, or you need a lot more help. <laughs> you need professional help. Yes, you need the professional people <laughs> right. to come in. <laughs> you need help that you pay by the hour. Right. I mean, it's and it's just a it's no pressure it's a fun night out and um there's there's always some heckling that happens and sure. we kind of you know you never know what you're gonna get it's a mixed bag you never know who's gonna step foot in the in the room um how everyone's gonna you know energy wise like feed off of each other um and it's always just so much fun to me because you know like you forget that you need that human connection and yes. to meet new people and um, I just, I love it because it's, it always brings me up when I, when I go and I'm, I'm actually working there on Saturday. I can't wait. Um, and it's, you never know who's going to walk in the door. You never know like w what fun you're going to have, but you do know that it's like, you can hang your hat on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. And you, how long has, has paint and sip been around for you? 
2012. So okay. what, what year are we at? So it's nine. <laughs> yeah. So, so seven years. Yeah. So in April, next April will be eight years. Yeah. Well, yeah. very nice. Yes. And uh, you have one location, multiple locations. Yes. Today I have one. Okay. Um. So we closed. We had a Latham location in Newton Plaza for five years. That one closed in July of last year. And we just sold our Burlington, Vermont location to two of our artists. They partnered and acquired it. So they are still running it up there in Burlington. Okay. So I want, I want to talk a little bit uh, about the expansion. Uh, so you started with one location. Yes. And then you decided to add another one. So take our listeners through sort of that process, the, the thinking that you did in that uh, process. Yeah. I mean, so in working with... You know, doing the research on, on where to put this, you know, I we moved to Saratoga. We moved right downtown. So this is where I wanted to do it. I mean, it was just a thriving nightlife. And I thought of it more of a nightlife thing. Now, I was advised to do it in like a strip mall where there would be parking and there would be um, maybe women already shopping. So there would be like a good like geographical element to it. Um, and I just didn't feel that way. I felt like this is a night out. Saratoga's nightlife so we, we decided to do it downtown so it was 18 months after we opened the Saratoga studio we opened the Latham studio in Newton Plaza in the strip mall in that whole thing yes. and it that was literally just from people saying parking's tough um, and we're coming from Del Mar or we're coming from yes. Western Massachusetts so I literally was just a pivot not or an exp it was an expansion based on what my clients sure. wanted um i was like literally listening to what where they were coming from yes. and thinking of like okay where can i do this again um and and be more accommodating for people so what were sort of the operational challenges right if you have one location then you personally can be there every day or mo right. almost every day and you can kind of see over things and now you have a second location that means you need to delegate more things so how was that process for you as an entrepreneur um it 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 wasn't as challenging as I thought it would be, but I was I had a I had an incredible team from day one. When we when we first opened Paint and Sip, I had such an awesome team of people who were on board, you know. And so when it came to um, to expand, they were excited, and and I had because I was like in the trenches, like we were really just. I mean, those early days of Paint and Sip, it was like. It was a skeleton crew, but we were all just like doing the same things, you know. So when it came time, well, the idea came to expand, you know, the whole team was supportive of that. Um, so I would say, you know, it all, you know, you hear this all the time, like hire slow and fire fast. Yes. Um, and it was just it was really important to bring on a team that um, was, I guess, on board. Yes. And saw the big picture even early on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and wasn't just focused on, you know, we're creating, we're just painting. It's not, it, it was never just painting mm -hmm. and wine. And, and so um, was paint and sip, was the concept of paint and sip sort of familiar to people up here? Or did you yeah. sort of have to educate folks, right? So this oh, is sort yes. of a new, pro right? It's a brand new product that people don't know about. Oh, yes. They don't I even know what it is. So oh. how was that challenge and how did you address that challenge? It was, 
It was, it was certainly a challenge and I would get frustrated too because people would be like, what do you mean painting and drinking? Like what, I'm from New Orleans, like who are you, this crazy person coming up with this idea? Um, and I want, I needed a liquor license. I needed, you know, I needed the booze (laughs) and, and no one could understand it, you know, but now it's the point where people use my business to describe their own business, you know, their business. So, um, it was, it was, it was really tough in the beginning and it was just a matter, um, of doing it. Like I, I literally had to do it in order for people to get it. So you had to open it. I had to open. And then how did you, how did you find your customers? How did you, how did you reach out to them? I reached out to local mom blogs, Okay. <laughs> one of which mamatoga.com. She still exists. Um, I think she, now she's mini city, but she, I reached out, well, she was my first connections, partners, collaborators, and, um, and yeah, that was, that was huge. So social, social so, me- whole this so- was before social media took on this whole new like world. It yeah. wasn't as difficult to get the word out. It was, you know, it was 2012. It wasn't so as busy then. It wasn't as congested. Yeah. Right. So, right. you know, I would, we would post all the time. We were consistent. We, we were goofy. We were fun. There was always a element of fun to it um and it resonated with people and people showed up and then we insisted that people get out their phones take a picture of themselves drinking painting you know before and afters um we really leveraged that and it was like again before facebook really took on this whole nother yes so so the brand that you were building in sort of posting to those blogs and the social things that you did had this notion of fun and it's a good time, et cetera. And then you carried that through to the actual experience. Right. Right. So when people read that, they're expecting something like that in the actual experience. And if they're not people who are open to that, they're not going to come. Right. And that's fine. Right. I mean, this is, it's so interesting how all of those elements are, are relevant in at palette, right? Like, you know, it's very, what we're doing here is very specific. We're, we're unapologetically female focused. Um, and the people who don't subscribe to that, they don't come. Those are not our people, right? That's so fine. we want to be able to service the people that are here for it. Yes. And we want to help them, you know, have fun and not take themselves too seriously and do the hard, hard things, you know, like the hard things can also be fun. And when you have a group of people who are there, with you supporting you and collaborating with it's just it's so much easier right it doesn't have to be so hard yes so talk about the migration or the thought process of moving from paint and sip to where, where we are sitting today at palette yes. i know it's uh, so crazy yeah so how did how, talk to me about that process the thinking that went into that and how you came up with this concept so there was a time in my paint and sip life i was not being challenged i was there was so much more competition i was just like okay this is not the end all like i need to be able i want to do more i am i was called to just do something else as an entrepreneur you were i got the itch oh man did i get the itch and i was just like (sighs) bored is not the word i just i wasn't busy Mm -hmm. and i need to just keep like it's just that paint sip wasn't the end all and it was and I I didn't know what was next and I was just also becoming a mom for the second time and there was just all sorts of stuff going but there was something internal that was like something something else is out there um 
So after I had my second daughter, so this is January-ish 2018, I was on Facebook and I have a group of girlfriends who go and do these lunch lady things. Like they go out to lunch, they dress up, like it's always a theme. And I'm like, that is so much fun. We should do that here. And I mean, I eat lunch. I, I support the local economy daily, <laughs> weekly, eating out all the time. Um, and so I thought, let me just put this out there. So I put, I went to Facebook and I was like, I have girlfriends that are doing this back home. Would anybody want to do this? You know, I'll put it together and we all just go to lunch every once in a while. So I put it out there. I had 120 comments of people's emails because I also said, I'm taking this off of Facebook. I'm going to send you an email. You're not going to be able to see like who's who's going. It's not like that. It's, that has nothing to do with it. So I had 120 people sign up or give me their email. So the very next day I went to a local restaurant and I said like, can you help me do this? You know, it'd be a lunch thing. We, how much would you try? I figured it out. And she said, if you sell, if you get 25 people signed on for a Monday, I'll close for lunch. And I sold it out within three days with wow. 45 people. And there were three rules, right? So um, you had to dress up. There was a themed event. You had to dress up. When you say themed event, you mean like uh, medieval? I like got... next week we're doing one here and it's leading ladies. So everyone has to dress oh, up like a leading it. lady. Okay. That first one that I did, the theme was red and pink. So everyone just wore different colors of red and pink. I literally wore every color red and pink that I had in my closet from head to toe. I was monochromatic. <laughs> different shades of red pink. I look like a lunatic, but it's, it was fun. Um, and the number two rule was no networking, no passing out of the business cards. That's not what this is about. This is just for fun. This is personal, not business. And leave that, save that for the, you know, those other events. And then number three, um, no cattiness. Oh, I'm saving this seat for my best friend. BS. We're not doing that here. This is again, fun. That was the premise of it. So what actually ended up happening was only fun people showed up. Right. Self-select. Right? <laughs> exactly. All of the people who were apprehensive about dressing up, they didn't come. Um, so it was, it was incredibly validating that, okay, I'm onto something here. Women want to be social. It's in our nature. Um, it's also in our nature to be nurturing. So as you connect with someone, you meet someone new, you hear their story, you befriend them, you start to do business with them. And that's just kind of like, it It organically happened. I mean, that that event was so much fun and so well received. Everybody there was, when are you gonna do another one? When are you gonna do another one? So we did one a couple months later at another restaurant. And over time, it was, it was clear to me that, oh my God, these women are starting to work together. Like. They were networking all along. Sure. Um, but if you take away the pressure of networking and that that salesy kind of vibe, you you you, know, you relax. You, yeah, you, you, you just you relax. Re you reduce right? your defenses. Yes, like stop worrying about getting that next client or right. how you're gonna make money and pay the bills. Like you gotta stop thinking like that. You gotta come from a place of service. Like what can you provide? How can you help someone? And it's it's been it's been so cool. But it was basically a micro focus group on, and that, that, so it was that experience, the lunch ladies experience. Um, I went to the girl boss rally in New York city last November, which completely lit me up. I mean, I was surround, I was the oldest one in the audience. I'm 33 by the way. Um, I, I'm sure I maybe, maybe there was a half a dozen moms there, you know, like 
it was it was a different crowd. It was like very hyper millennial and like just incredible girls just kicking butt and like uh-huh. going all into what exactly they wanted to be doing in their lives with no inhibitions and you know no fear of failure. They were you know and it was just so. It, it it just really did light something up in me. And then the next weekend, we are we had already had a trip planned to go to Disney World. So it was like all these things. Mm-hmm. Back to Disney. <laughs> Back to Disney. I mean, and I know people like, you know, turn their nose up at Disney because it's, you know. But I go there and I am immersed in just the customer service. Like the guy that's picking up the trash is also the guy who knows all the ins and outs of yes. Disney. And every piece of that space is touched with just magic um, dust. magic yeah it's the most wonderful place on earth right i mean and i don't i don't i don't when i go there i don't see the lines of people and the screaming children i, d- I just see magic and i see and i also you know do subscribe to the notion that this man had a dream and he just went all in on it he was undeniably confident in himself that he could make this happen and he did it and um and so i just like i believe in that also so half 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 of it is just doing it right Mm -hmm. i mean and figuring out the rest as you go well i think one of the other things that that i think is interesting that you've said is (laughs) that you're very clear about your message to potential customers so this is what you're looking for I will provide it. If it's not what you're looking for, that's fine. Well, as opposed to trying to get everyone, everybody. right? And right. you end up getting no one because it's just plain vanilla. It's just like everyone else. Right. So you have you have carved out these niches, and I think one of the great things about the digital economy, however you want to describe it, is it's really relatively easy to do that these days because you have Facebook groups, you have these places where people of like minds congregate and you have access to it so you can tap into that yeah if you have a genuine thing to offer right yeah yeah exactly i mean i i feel strongly that i'm just a blip in everyone's day like there's nothing extraordinary about me i'm a blip i mean somebody like you're gonna go on your life and keep doing everything you're gonna think back to me because you're doing this podcast but you know to think that I'm the only person who needs a space that is being provided at Palette is ridiculous. Like, there's more of me. And, and they'll come from all, all walks of life. Um, and, and it's just believing in that and then taking action on yes. it, too. So when you started Palette, what did you actually start with? The, co- the coffee shop place, right? We went the on a coffee. little tour. You're expanding. So I wanted to right. kind of dive into right. that a little so, bit. Certainly the coffee shop. I mean, I wanted to, originally I wanted to have some sort of like, you know, um, membership, like clubhouse kind of feel where it's like you, okay, so I'll go back to like, I was in a sorority in college, sure. you know, you went, you would go to the, the chapter room and you never know who is there, but you, whoever was there was there to support you. And, you know, you could blab about whatever was going on, a tough teacher or, you know, bad breakup. And you had this sense of support and community. And we, I don't have that as an adult, you know? So I wanted to create that community space where you could go and feel comfortable and feel welcomed 
but then also be able to um, with the resources that you could that you you would need to level up whatever you're doing. So anywhere from um, needing a quiet shower that's not interrupted by children um, to a conference room to put on a Skype call or you know those sorts of things. Um, and that's what you that's what I had in that sorority. You mm-hmm. know, um, we had all the resources at our fingertips to do whatever it is we wanted to be doing. Why does that stop there? We should keep be, keep doing that, keep cultivating community and that village-like mentality for the rest of our lives. Yes. Um, so the physical space here where we're sitting now was a cath- was a um, clothing store. And I live around the corner, so I used to always walk by and the, ca- and the patio area was completely underutilized. I mean, there was like a rack of clothing. And I always just kind of had this vision that that should be a cafe. You should be able to sit out there and have coffee and, you know, and the space was available. So that's kind of how it happened. And I said, okay, well, I'll figure out the community piece afterwards, but let's do a cafe that's an elevated coffee house with cocktails and wine and a female focused vibe. And so that's how that's that kind of percolated. And then we knocked down a wall and there were stairs, uh-huh. like physical stairs. I can't make this up. There were stairs. And I was like, oh my gosh. Hidden behind the wall. Hidden behind the wall. It was a fitting room. So what happened was the stairs are there. They must have taken the two treads at the bottom down, made a fitting room. And upstairs they took like four steps out and made a closet in the foyer yes. area. Um, so I was like, this is so interesting. I mean, it's a very old building. Um, I think we're going to be celebrating 150 years of the building wow. next spring. Yeah, it's exciting. We'll have the party for that. Um, so I just went, like looped back in with the landlord, and I was like, what's going on here? Like, the space is available. And we started to just look at that space and, and cultivate the, the community piece and the co-working part of it. Um, but it's not necessarily co-working. I mean, it's like co-creating, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it is you're working on, we want to help you do it and collaborate with you and figure out how to, how to, you know, crush the goal. So, um, you have this membership element to this. Yes. So talk to me about the motivation of, of doing it in that manner. Um, well, you got to have a buy-in, right? You know, when you sign on the dotted line, you're Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm committed. Now I'm going to do it. You know, so it was important for these, for people to join as a membership subscription kind of thing. Um, and again, it, it was just, I was subscribing to like the conversation that's happening across the country where we're supporting women to do whatever they need to do, whether, and, and bring your baby with you. Yes. <laughs> um, and that you can do it all with the support surrounding you. Um, and so I actually had reached out to this uh, female-focused co-working space that opened in Bozeman, Montana. Actually, they're not even open yet. They, I found them on iFundWomen, which is like a Kickstarter women website um, where you can put, you can upload your business plan and crowdfund. They did this for themselves with the goal of raising capital to build out this co-working space. Their goal was 50 members over the course of four months and they sold 150. I was like, wow, this is crazy. There's something here. So I picked up the phone and I called them and I said, I'm doing the exact same thing as you in Saratoga Springs, New York. Please tell me your experience about iFundWomen and how that all went about and how did you raise all this money? Like how, how did that all go about happening? So she basically said, 
that they just, they, it was her and, and a girlfriend. They came up with this idea that they wanted a physical space to support women and they needed the money for it. And if they didn't get the 50 members, they weren't doing it. Well, I was in a different boat, right? Because I already had the space. Um, they did all this without a lease, without, mm-hmm. like they had zero dollars, zero space. None they had an that. idea. They had the idea and that was it. And so my thought was like, I didn't have the website really built out to support like memberships online yet. Like at that point it was, it was really just a thought. <laughs> um, and I was like, I'll just figure that part out later. Um, and they said, well, if you have a website, you don't need iFund women. You should just do it on your own. Just, just put it out there, which was well, like, what do you mean? Like, who's going to subscribe or join something that isn't built yet? That, that thought was crazy to me. Um, and she was like, people buy million dollar condos sight unseen. Why wouldn't they, you know, you literally have a physical space. You live in the community, you know, you need to be meeting with people and you need to be telling people your story. Um, and so even at that point, I still hadn't even like fully understood what was all at play here. Um, but I, so I said, okay, well, two weeks later, over the next two weeks, we worked on the website to cultivate like how we could sell these memberships online, put together, you know, a presentation on how to like tell the story of why I did all this. Um, and we had an event July 31st, it was like two weeks before before Zia was born. Um, so I was very pregnant and we had about 35 people show up. I would like, I didn't know everyone there. I mean, there were strangers who showed up for this and 10 people signed up that night. And it was, again, people I didn't even know. Like I, I like to use Dr. Jess as an example because she's a doctor (laughs) and she joined that night. You know, it was just incredibly validating that like when you put yourself out there, people you don't even know are, are gonna love you and, and be here for you to support what you're doing. You just have to believe in yourself. And you just have to do it. You take that first step. You got to take the first step. I mean, we are, it's scary. I'm, I, I know <laughs> we right, are completely right. fully leveraged here. Um, but it's, it's the only way in which I could ever work for someone else in the future, you know, having done this. Yep. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It makes sense in my head. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if it makes well, if you take the first that. step, it, it almost sort of forces you to take the second step. Yeah. And then the third step. And then before you know it, you're up and running. Yes. I mean, I've had conversations with, with our resident unicorn, Marcella. She um, actually worked for me at Paint and Sip, went off, did her own thing, and then she boomeranged, mm-hmm. thankfully so. And so we feel very confident that, like, oh, my God, this is what we were meant to do with each other again. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I've had so many, I've, I've had plenty of, conver- like, like, oh, no conversations with her about like, oh my God, what have I done? You know, like you feel sick, sure. but you know, you're at the point, we are at the point of no return. We have to keep going. And, you know, and, and we're not the only ones who feel that way. Right. You know, it's like we have 42 founding members who have signed on the space isn't even open yet who are here for it and are, they're committed to collaborating and six and success for all of us. Yes. So what's the, what's the next step here at Palette? What's around the corner for you? Well, around the corner is opening upstairs, mm-hmm. November seventh. We're having our ribbon cutting and grand opening party, and lots and, up, of fun. and upstairs will encompass what? What will be up there? That will be there's so the physical space of it is there's you know casual meeting spaces. There's a community room. There's a conference room, printer, fan, fax scanner, um, full time concierge. Um, all the tech stuff that you that comes with your ordinary conference room. We're calling it the not so boring boardroom. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, there's a back patio too that we can you know cultivate like outdoor events. 
Um, and we also have an app. So you'll be able to reserve space at Palette from the app. You can also collaborate in like in real time through our through the like there's community messaging aspect okay. to it too. Okay. Um, so that's the next step. And then, um, and then, I mean, yeah, I just want to, I want to be able to provide like the palette experience to everybody. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Excellent. So, um, respect for your time. I want to start wrapping this up. So I have yeah. a, just a few more questions. Okay. Wow. Uh, time flew by. Yeah. yeah. These, these go good. These are fun. So if you had some, um, advice for, uh, Catherine 10 years ago. Uh, what advice would that be? There's, I can only choose one. <laughs> no, no, you can, you know, no, you, um, up, up to three. Well, I, you know, I think back to my younger self and I, I don't think I gave myself enough credit for like the words that I was set, like thinking or believing it in yourself, believing in yourself and like, you know, just don't pay attention to the naysayers because they're just they're just reflecting what they feel about themselves. And like when you feel so strongly about something, you should go all in and you should do it, you know? And I, um, I think like knowing what I know now, I knew what I wanted to do way back when, you know, I just didn't know how to like orchestrate it or, mm-hmm. or like put it how to make it happen yes i mean i've always i mean you can talk to lifelong friends i've always been this very bubbly inclusive friendly fun person you know and i think a lot of the a lot of the times i didn't people didn't take me seriously and i and i still deal with that too i'm like oh god people don't take me seriously and i have pink hair and you know i just remind myself people didn't take me seriously when i had brown hair so i just need to you know literally believe in myself keep going and just know that what i'm know my value and like what is it that i bring to the table and then just keep bringing it Mm -hmm. um and just literally believing in yourself and taking action you know you can't just like have all these happy thoughts and then do nothing with them yes you gotta you gotta put your money where your mouth is and and believe in yourself and when you do that when you go all in and you leverage all that you have to to do what you want to do um it's inspiring to people and so i just i want to keep on showing people that they can do whatever it is they want to do yes and then and then and truly think about the why like why are you doing all this you have to be able to wake up in the morning and keep doing it because it's you know i can sit here and be like oh it's all fun it's all fun it's also a lot of hard work and a lot of juggling a lot of pressure um and so you have to want to keep doing it there's got to be a there's got to be some sort of purpose and mission behind it. What's um, been the biggest surprise for you in this journey? The support. I can't get over how... And, and like, I just didn't realize just how big this was, you know? Um, I want to say the day before we had that first event where I, like... I was like, okay, this is it. I'm just telling everyone what I want to do here and see who shows up. The night before that, a friend of mine said you do realize that there are people that you don't even know yet that are going to be your best friends or you're going are going to play such an important role in your lives and you don't even know them yet you know think about people that you just met in the last five years who have you know supported you or been here for you and just remember that like and the people who don't show up they're not your people so screw them (laughs) you're to help the hell with them um and so just like that that notion that 
that the world is vast and there are just so many people out there that need what you have to give that only you could provide or say in a way which you would. Yep. Very, very well said. And in uh, response to, to my question, thank you very much okay. for yes. agreeing to do this podcast. It's oh, been a lot of thank fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Do you ever do like round two recap? Uh, I, I usually wait maybe a year or two, do a check in. I've done, cool. I think I've done one or two of those in, cool. in the uh, 50 plus episodes we've done. That's yeah. going to be so cool just to like sit back and watch how things evolve for people too. Yes. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So hopefully we'll, uh, in a year or two, we'll do another one of these. Oh, pressure's on. Yeah, there you go. Hopefully I won't have another baby. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Catherine. Thank you so much. For being a great guest. Awesome, thanks. Bela, really interesting interview with Catherine. Lots of ground covered. Uh, in your sense, having been there and seen her place and, and spent time with her, what do you see as the key success factors that uh, Catherine has been able to harness? You know, one of the things that came out, uh, at least to me in our conversation, was that when she moved here from New Orleans, uh, you know, she lost all of her support structure. She didn't have her social network, et cetera. And um, as, as that developed, she saw certain things that she had access to or was able to experience in New Orleans that she didn't in Saratoga. And she, she had this need that she wanted to fulfill somehow. And she's thought to herself, you know, I bet you other people who are sort of of my uh, uh, from my tribe, so to speak, you know, sort of are, are at the same point in life, are experiencing the same types of things, might th need this as well. So that's when she sort of started the paint and sip uh, uh, businesses that that she has, and um, from that, I think she learned that there is this great network of people out there. Uh, that have similar ideas and needs, uh, needs to socialize. Uh, they want to do certain things. And, and so she then morphed that into her uh, palette business. And I think the lesson here is that oftentimes entrepreneurs uh, start a business around a need that they see, that they themselves see that they need. And then they try to take that and make it accessible or make it applicable to everybody, to a very large segment of the market. And I think what Catherine has done very well is that she realizes that that the things that she wants and she needs are, are important to a very narrow, specific segment of the market and that she focuses her business on that. And lo and behold, uh, there's enough people uh, who identify with that and want that that she can build a good business out of it. So in, in she didn't try to make a co-working space for the, uh, you know, 55-year-old male consultant um, and also the 22-year-old uh, uh, newly graduated woman from college uh, who is trying to start her business. She understands that they're going to want different things. They're going to need different things. Uh, so she focused it on one segment of the market. Yeah, I think this is cool because, so, okay, I'll be honest. I don't know a lot about these experience-based businesses, right? This is one of those categories like escape rooms and, um, and uh, you know, kind of t travel and tourism types of related things, uh, eco-tours, things like this. Um, it's not something that I have a lot of experience with. But I really like the way she took her ex what she 
learned in her experience-based business and this idea of community and support, and she pivoted it into this other business, co-working spaces. I thought that was really, really cool, right, and really smart. So I guess my question is, so let's also pivot the conversation. And this idea of community and support as being the core of a business, um, when does this kick in and and how did that path, do you think, led, lead her to this diversification and growth model where she kind of blended these two businesses into something unique? So I, I think this notion of, of community and support really goes back to uh, the, our, our, our previous podcast uh, with Emily and Justin, mm-hmm. um, you know, where we talked about Patagonia in that episode. And this notion of that there's this real identity and people identify and you're providing more than just a a specific product or service to your customers. And I think uh, Catherine does that very well with both paint and sip and with palette. It's it's not just palette is not just a a little cubicle that you can go sit in and do your work in. Uh, There's lots of places where you can do that. There's a whole social aspect to this. There's a whole opportunity to engage with other people, right? That's one of the, whether, whether people admit it or not, there's a lot of social activity that goes on at work. And, and if you work at home, you know, you sort of miss that. So if you go from your cubicle at home to a cubicle in some other nondescript office building someplace, you're still missing that social interaction that you want. Uh, and this gives you that opportunity. So I think this notion of community and support and this experiential based sort of business, it's, it's giving you more than just this notion of a cubicle to go do work in. Uh, it's giving you more than just opportunity to go paint something, right? There's this whole social aspect to it, uh, just as with a lot of those experience based businesses. So I think that's one of the key things that she's been able to bring together in a very successful way. What did you think, Mike? I couldn't agree more with you, Bela. I think this is really a, a neat concept. So it gets me thinking about, okay, this need for community and support. Definitely, I see, you know, we did a mini podcast on co-working spaces a few months ago, and we really talked a lot about how uh, people who are working at home or people who are independent contractors or doing gig work needed needed not just the workspace but the social component. But are there lessons that can be learned by managers running traditional kind of bricks and mortar workspaces that these ideas of community and support, especially for women um, or um, any other kind of uh, affinity group that you can think of, are there lessons here that existing companies can use and inject into their traditional workplaces to make the workplaces have better culture, right? And more meaning, especially for millennials. These are a couple of topics we've hit on uh, in previous episodes, the importance of workplace culture and the shifting needs. I don't like to say it's generational, but definitely the millennials have brought it more into the forefront about having a meaningful workplace. It also is consistent with what we've been talking about, about mission-driven branding and, and kind of from an internal standpoint, what's it mean? So can we put all this together? Should managers of businesses in regular offices be paying attention to this and trying to make some transformational changes? So Mike, I think, I think you bring up an excellent point here. I think this notion of affinity groups, uh, sometimes in corporate America, they're viewed as bad things to have inside of an organization. And I think they're actually a good thing. Uh, I think this notion of affinity groups 
gives people within a larger organization identity. It gives them their social network. Uh, and I think the important part here is you have to make sure the affinity groups are not exclusionary, right? You have to you have to sort of build them in such a way that they're inclusive and they're not cliques. Cliques are bad, right? Mm-hmm. But affinity groups are good. And sometimes there's a fine line between those two and one is disguised as another. Um, but I think this notion of affinity groups is really, really important. And, you know, you see it, you see it, I used to see it in large corporations when I worked there, right? The bowling team, right? It was the engineering group versus the, you know, accounting group versus the production folks, right? So there's all these built-in affinity groups, or whether it was the bowling team or the soft, softball team. So, but those are good things. They build camaraderie, they build, they build all sorts of wonderful things that you want. So I think there's an opportunity there to do that. And I think they're good things. And I think what Catherine has done has basically put together an affinity group uh, in, in Palette. And, and she has taken that and put it into a business. So I think larger companies can learn from this or existing corporations can learn from this. Uh, it, if you can provide that for folks, then it builds stronger bonds. I think it builds loyalty. Uh, it builds uh, all sorts of positive things within your business. What did you think, Mike? Agreed. It's this balance of inclusiveness and affinity, right? So I feel like, yes, I have voice. There are people who are like me, but we're part of the the larger organization. So I think you really hit the nail on the head with this balance point. So that might be having this really cool cafe where everybody can meet in your workspace, but making it available for these affinity groups to bring in speakers and then inviting the whole organization, right? Or having workshops or educational sessions, things like that. So I think there's this idea of this workspace that's open, but also supports these different affinity groups um, is kind of a, a neat a neat concept. Inviting people to create community, inviting conversations to happen in a supportive and open way. Um, I think this she's really hitting on a, a key theme here. And you know the the co working space in in general, if people are paying attention to the news, it's grown and now it's collapsing a little bit. As we work as the market leader and they're going through some struggles, but this may be the evolution of co working spaces is having instead of them be general and open, having them geared either by industry or by affinity group or by technologies um, to really get this idea of both um, um, connectedness, but also being it, doing it in an inclusive way. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, as, we were, as you were saying that, Mike, it remind, reminded me of my experience when I worked at IBM Research. Um, and, and that building was built like in the 80s. Um, if I remember correctly, uh, probably the seventies now, if I think about it even a little more, uh, and in this building, it was really interesting. The cafeteria was, was set up in, in a really interesting way, um, in that it was not one big room, but it was these smaller semi divided off little sections. And, and the, you could see that there were certain tables that certain affinity groups sat in every day at lunch. And, and, you know, they were, there was a lot of stuff going on there. And there were all these locations throughout the building that were just a collection of three or four or a half dozen sofas and couches where people could sit down with a whiteboard and, and they were scattered throughout the building. And as I think about what Catherine has done uh, with Pallet. I mean, why should that not be inside of your company? Why, why, why do people have to go 
you know, uh, to some outside place to have that. I mean, there's no reason why that type of uh, uh, facility shouldn't exist inside of an organization. And you see this in, in, in you know, a lot of uh, new startups where they have the foosball table and the ping pong table, et cetera. Uh, but there's, I think they're slightly different, right? There's no, mm-hmm. there's, there's no real uh, uh, gaming activity going on here at Pallet, right? This is, this is, you know, sofas and chairs and coffee and maybe some pastry uh, and uh, that type of thing. So it's a little bit different. But I, I think uh, there's a good lesson here, as you, as you pointed out, for corporate America as well or for existing businesses as well, that there's something going on here. She's identified a need, and I, I think that uh, it'd be great to think about that inside of an, a larger business. Yeah, sometimes people think of diversity as having a certain percentage of different kinds of people. But really what's important is inclusion, is that people are working together to make the ideas stronger and more uh, robust and scalable and valid um, through the process of having different voices with different perspectives and different opinions. So I think that's a, that's, a, that's a really nice way to think about it, a really nice way to end this conversation. And as always, I encourage listeners, if you have examples or counterarguments or whatever, shoot us an email and let us know um, what your thoughts are on this. Because I realize this can be a little controversial and we don't like to shy away from that in any way. We're open and uh, we can have another podcast on this topic. No problem. So wrap it up. What do you think, Bela? I think so, Mike. Yeah, All right. Let's, uh, let's give it a wrap. Th- thanks for joining us. Uh, as usual, we hope you enjoyed the uh, last hour in our little podcasting adventure. I uh, hope you thought found it interesting and thought-provoking like we did. So definitely, as I mentioned, if you've got ideas, suggestions, arguments, you name it, feel free to get in touch with us. Email is the best way. Uh, email us at bela.and.mike at gmail.com. And secondly, if you like what we're doing, hit subscribe or like on your podcast app. Uh, And if you really want to be helpful, write us a quick review. That would be fantastic. Um, And as always, if you know others that might be interested in listening to us, please share us with them. So thanks for spending time with us this week. And we look forward to you joining us for our next episode. Signing off from upstate New York. See you next week, Mike. That's great. And thanks for joining us, everybody. That's it from here in Münster, Germany. Have a great week. This podcast is produced for Mike and I by our friends at Busy Media of Schenectady, New York. They can be found at busymedia.co.